recording. Welcome to the Humbled Millennial Podcast brought to you by 1031 Creative, the only video production company in the United States. You literally cannot get a commercial from anyone else. It's facts. It's facts. Uh, shout out to 1031 Creative for sponsoring this video, allowing us to use all of their equipment, <laughs> <laughs> their, their podcasting space, and the allowing us to use their employees to actually do the podcast as well. Thank you, 1031. Thank you, Mexico. <laughs> Today's podcast is called I Was Wrong. It is uh, featuring Drew Deej Pouch Vincek. I go by many names. He goes by many names. Introduce yourself. Yeah. And uh, why you are special on I Was Wrong podcast. Well, uh, my name is Drew Vincic. I'm from a small town called East Bernard, Texas, which is like 40 miles southwest of Houston. I've been in Waco now for about five and a half years, I think, Uh, going on six. But um, yeah, just live and and work here at uh, 1031. And I think I am a great candidate for I was wrong because I was wrong about many things, many, many things. One of the truths that I have found most peace and rest in is the fact that I was wrong about a lot of things. And today I want to share, and we're going to share some of the things that we were wrong about. We don't have enough time for everything we were wrong. We don't have enough time, but we're going to just popcorn and then just yeah. see where this goes. But the whole idea of this podcast is I am a millennial. I was exposed to a lot of things in terms of platforms and all those things, like all the rest of the millennials who were just kind of thrown into the the internet world when we were like young, we saw what we were supposed to be. And then we forgot that there is a whole process that we cannot skip as, as young people. Yeah. And uh, we feel like we had to know everything right away because knowledge was so instant to us. We kind of figured we should know all this because it's available to us and we should already have the job that we love and we should already be developed as human beings and we should already be mature when we're clearly just not mature. Yeah. And I had that mindset for the longest time and I have to now be like, when I basically realized I was wrong about so many things, now I strive to have this mindset of, well, what else am I wrong about? What else do I need to still mature in and, and grow in? And so this podcast is just all about the things that we were wrong about. So I'll open, I'll let you, I'll open the floor to you first and ask you, what were you wrong about? Um, I mean, first off, we would just, just something like big. That was a, a big event that happened in my life. Um, like around 2019, 2020, sometime around then, um, I was just hit with like a really big depression episode, a major depressive episode, um, anxiety, uh, and just, felt as low as I could get. I mean, lower than low, really. Uh, But one thing I was wrong about during that time was that I could look to the world, the world's wisdom specifically, to help get me out of my suffering. Um, And also just putting my faith into the wrong people um, and giving them the uh, hope or the power to make me feel better. and so, yeah, that was a... You would, like, go to research. You would, like, go to articles and things like that to help you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically, I mean... You were super depressed. 
yeah, super depressed, super anxious. And I was like, is this normal? What am I even experiencing? Um, can somebody help me make sense of this? Uh, because kind of like you were saying in social media, on um, everything, you just see people our age specifically, like living it up, partying. I'm like, they're having fun all the time. You're seeing everybody's sports center top 10 uh, plays on their, on their feeds, on their, on Facebook or whatever. Um, and for a very cerebral person like me, that's just like internally processing a lot of stuff. That fear of missing out is just like hitting me. Hitting so me. you saw everyone else having fun. You weren't having fun. So you were like, something must be wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. That. And I mean, just a lot of the ways that I, I just think over the years from a very young age, it was like a very, uh, worried child. And those were just like habits that I've formed, um, for years and years and years and then all of a sudden once it accumulated to like the top um you know of just like a glass it just started overfilling Mm -hmm. uh, by all these unhealthy coping mechanisms unhealthy thought uh, patterns um and it is all like like i said kind of accumulated at one time because of like just life circumstances um and just a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. so what you said you were wrong about was what um Basically, again, just giving my uh, my recovery of like, how am I going to get out of this hole into myself? Like, okay, I'm here. Like, it's my job to get myself out of here. I have to look inside of myself uh, to get myself out of this deep hole. But at that mm-hmm. time when I have no strength, you know, where am I going to get that from? And I right. was looking for something to get me out of that hole. That was, um, um, you know, all kinds of other like philosophy, stoicism, Buddhism, um, nutrition, like, okay, there's like a biopsychosocial deal, like bi- biological, psychological, and social, uh, component to, uh, you know, any, any depression or anxiety. And so I was just looking for something to get me out of that hole. Um, and I was looking inwards towards myself, but I mean, when you're at your lowest of lows and you have no strength left, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how are you going to get out? You're the one that kind of got you there in the first place. So, so. when did you realize you were wrong? In your efforts to try to fix yourself? Um, I don't remember the date specifically. I just kind of remember an, an event. I was uh, just kind of at my wits end. I was just like crying a lot and uh, just felt so empty, so hopeless. And um, it's kind of like backstory. I grew up Catholic um, for 20-something years. And church for me was kind of like a uh, hourly job. Mm-hmm. Clock in, clock out. Church is reserved for that one hour on Sundays. And um, you go in, do your time, you act like a really good person, and then you leave and you don't apply anything like that to your life. And so when I moved up here, um, I just stopped going to church because I had no relationship with God. Um, And yeah, so I just stopped doing that, stopped going to church. And that's when kind of like I was already struggling with a lot of those empty feelings and thoughts and Mm -hmm. just a bunch of other things. Parents got divorced, a whole bunch of stuff. But I remember specifically... Like, okay, before, I, like, while I was looking into Buddhism and Stoicism, all these other things, uh, because I was like, yeah, Christianity doesn't have the answers. Like, there's no way that can help me because I've tried that. Like, I've grew up doing that, and mm-hmm. that obviously didn't work. Um, and so I finally, like, after looking through all those other avenues, there was finally, like, a day where I was just, like, outside. It was a beautiful day, too, I remember. It was a beautiful day, and I was laying in a hammock, and I was just, like, looking up at the blue sky. And I was just crying, and I was like, God, just help me. Mm-hmm. And I just kept repeating that for I don't know how long. 
30 yeah. minutes, 45 minutes or so. Um, and that's when I kind of realized like, you know, I was wrong to try to look to other avenues to make sense of my suffering and to get me out of, uh, my hole or the hole that I was in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you've talked to me, you've talked to me a lot about how you would try to overcome your anxiety and your fear of things by just like thinking through the fear as if like the fear would go away without doing anything. Yeah. Like trying to rationalize it or like in your head. Um, and when those feelings of anxiety hit you, there's like really no, there's not, there's no convincing yourself when you're like in a hyper aware emotional state, you can't rationalize or Mm -hmm. make sense of something. And that's what you've helped me so much of like, just freaking do it. Yeah. Go do the thing you're afraid of. Go do the thing that you're scared to do. Yeah. Um, and so I was wrong in that sense too, of like, I can think my way out of these problems. Out of fear, like over fear. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the problem I was like, okay, it's in my head, a lot of this, so I can think my way out of it. Yeah. And it was counterintuitive because the more I was thinking, the worse I got. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, dude. I mean, oh, that's not good, but. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I can now. look back now and just be like, you know, thank God that happened to me because there's no way I would be where I'm at right now uh, yeah. and be able to help others really, especially men that don't want to talk about <laughs> their feelings. Yeah. They're, they're, they're scared. They're depressed or anything like that. Um, so that's like now when we see like the yeah. kind of make fun of it, the macho guys and stuff Yeah, that try to like act like they're really tough. Those yeah. are probably the weakest of the, oh, yeah. the, the sure. usually. Cause that was me. So that was one, that was one thing I was wrong about. I have a whole list of things I was wrong, wrong about. I'm just going to list them off. We're not going to probably talk about all of them cause we don't have time, but I'll start with that one. Yeah. I thought that being a man meant that you had no weaknesses. I was wrong. <laughs> I thought that if everybody thought I was cool, then I would actually be cool. I was wrong. I thought that being famous would satisfy me. I was wrong. Uh, I thought that playing football at a really high level would make me enough and I would feel enough. I was wrong. Uh, I thought that, um, oh, having a successful YouTube channel would like satisfy me. I had one. I was wrong. By the way, like the things I listed too, I like had them, right? So it was like, it's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, I, I wanted like, to have a lot of success in football and I didn't get it. I had it. It wasn't enough. I was wrong about that. Here's a huge one. I thought that if everybody would just like me, mm. then I would feel good. Yeah. Here's the problem with that. Not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. Not everybody's going to like me. And one thing that I just really recently came to this realization. Okay. Here, here's the thing. Here's something I was wrong about. I could I could make everybody like me. That's that's the first thing I was wrong about. Like I I've exhausted my efforts in making everybody trying to control everybody into liking me and having a good high opinion of me and it exhausted me so much to the point where I was like I want to die because I'm so sick and tired of trying to make everybody like me. Here's a recent thought that I thought was really cool. Bro, let people live. (laughs) Like, let them, like, for me, I'm like, let me let you have a poor opinion of me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like if if somebody was came up, if somebody came up to me, and they were just like monitoring all my thoughts, and I like said like God, there's something about that person that just like rubs me the wrong way, and they're and they started like trying to convince me of all the reasons why I should like that person. I'd be like, bro, just let me like have my thoughts. Yeah, you know. So it's like we wouldn't want anybody else to come over here and force us to t- like who do we like, who do we don't like. Mm-hmm. But then we try to do that for everybody else. Yeah. It's like, bro, let people not like you. Yeah. And that was, I mean, and that, uh, I struggle with that too. And I think I got a lot of that from my dad as far as like, uh, people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Like I need everyone to think highly of me. Um, and we, we've talked about it before too, or we call it like being a chameleon. Like, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's a good thing at times where you can just relate to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on your quest for kind of discovering your, your identity, if you're being a chameleon all the time, like internally, I'm like, well, who am I yeah. actually? Am I, am I the, uh, you know, sports guy? Am I like an art guy? Am I this and that? Yeah. Like, what's my thing? Like, right. What's me? Um, and so whenever, you know, you get in that realm of people pleasing, um, it just gets exhaustive. And then, like you said, if, if you, if you're chasing those opinions, like people to think highly of you, um, and they don't, like I know for me in the past, and I still kind of struggle with this sometimes, uh, but whenever I find out maybe someone doesn't, it like would actually like crush me, like almost mm-hmm. ruin my day. Yeah. I'm like that one person out of 7 billion doesn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to change everything I do to yeah, please that, that person. Yeah, for that one person. Which when I do that is going to displease another yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. So you're screwed either way. Yeah. See, here's here's what I was wrong about. I was wrong in thinking that I was this awesome person that everybody should just like. Yeah. Bro, screw that. I got issues, man. And like I can I can point them out. Like I can be freaking a, an attention seeker. I could be uh, I sh- I can have a major tendency to be fake if I don't like really cling to who I am and and what God says I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, I could be totally unempathetic. I could be um, not really. Um, thoughtful of people like i just like will do things not even think about them yeah i do a lot of things that are not likable in fact the people that i look around and i see the people that annoy me the most on this planet are the people who act like me yeah and then i turn around and be like what why don't you like me like everybody should like me and then if somebody doesn't like me then i try to do everything i can to convince them they should like me and it's like bro silas Freaking not everybody's going to like you because you're not that likable, yeah. right? The people that like you, and, and that's why it's you might as well just be yourself. Like, be authentically yourself because then you at least you know the people that like you like you for you and not some variation of yourself that you're giving to people. Yeah. And so, there's nothing I was wrong about. I'm not that awesome and not everybody should like me. What else were you wrong about? <laughs> I can go all day. I wrote something down. Social media would bring me the validation I was looking for. If enough people liked this post, if enough people followed me, then I would be validated. Then I am a successful human being. I was wrong. It's never enough. Yeah. Specifically for that one, like for content creators and people, I, you know, I don't have any desire to be like an influencer or have a strong social media presence. Uh, but I, I would think that if you're, you know, at the whims of your subscribers or followers or whatever, you have to start posting stuff like that they like. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you're not posting authentically, uh, like who you are and like and what your beliefs are, 
then you're just at the again at the whims of those people and then they start like shift shaping your beliefs and and you have like no foundation to to go off of in the world and so yeah. then it's just like you've compromised who you are and who god created you to be yeah i mean i'm struggling with that right now right i have a youtube channel it's like 174,000 people have subscribed at one point there was like 220 mm-hmm. so i've lost i lost like 40 something 40,000 over 40,000 but like when i built it up i built it all around me creating content in germany traveling and making football videos it was like that's why people came to the channel they're like we we specifically like you because of the things that you're doing and then as soon as i like started to try to to be something else they literally were like we don't care about that we don't care about you there's like a very few people who are like oh we'll keep watching because we like want to we're interested in you but majority of the tens of thousands of people were like we really don't care about you we just care about the stuff that you are producing right and that threw me a loop too because i was like frick man these people don't actually care about me which is another thing that flies freaking, freaking fly in here i was wrong about Gosh. flies if you're if you're listening on spotify you'd have to watch that on youtube because there's a fly in here but i was wrong in that people i thought everybody that followed me or subscribed to me actually like really cared about me they don't <laughs> I was wrong. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And like, I think everybody would, actually, most people would say that. Most people would say, yeah, like, you know, I have 4,000 followers or whatever. And they're like, we're not really friends. Most people would say that out loud. But then they treat those 4,000 people as if they should be their close friends. Yeah. And it's like, bro, they're not. And Ask yourself, are you really that close and really care about 4,000 people? No, you don't have that, you don't have that capacity yeah, we to did do that. that. We did that exercise a day, and I had three people in my innermost circle, and then I was like, who are the other 12 that are outside of that? And I'm like, man, <laughs> can't imagine doing 4,000 people. Yeah. You know? It was like 4,000 people don't care. And that's and look, here's the deal. Not everybody struggles with that. That's why I'm saying I was wrong. Some people, I have a cousin who who never struggled with that. Like He, he never bought the lie that, Oh, 4,000 people are my friend. Like, never bought that lie. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what, like, drives, you know, I guess what drives people to want to just have, like, what's the difference between, like, you and your cousin, like you were saying? I think a lot of it has to do with, like, how you grow up. Yeah. You know, for me, I didn't get a lot of affirmation from my family, Mm. from, like, the people that were close to me. Yeah. I didn't feel super loved by them. Yeah. And so the first place that I really got affirmation in my life was the football field, was yeah. the wrestling mat. I was like, bro, I'm good at this. People are cheering for me. They yeah. must love me. Yeah. So when, you, when you're five years old or six years old, you don't really know any better. Yeah. You just know the feeling of like being affirmed and validated. Yeah. So for me, I was really good at sports. And so didn't really get that love and feeling from home. Didn't really feel that known by them. Then go to the sports world and be, I'm super successful there. Hear the crowd, love the crowd, and then... Like right away as a kid, I was like, where I'm going to find the most love is from the cheers of the crowd. Right. And so then I pursued that. I pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. Like went to college, played college ball. But then I was like, went to Cornell, but it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. It was like, there's only 16,000 people in the fan, in the stands. That's not enough. Yeah. It needs to be sold out and it needs to be on TV. Yeah. Cause that's the highest. Right. So I was like, screw this. And I left and I did whatever it took to get to Baylor and play football. 
that whole thing failed. Then I was like, well, I can't go to the NFL. Like, I got to go somewhere to get the crowds. Yeah. So I was like, I'll go to Europe. Yeah. Go to Europe, kind of build myself up there, create the YouTube platform. Now, literally have like 200,000 people subscribed to me, like watching my life, like interested in what I'm doing on the daily. They didn't really care about what I was doing. They were caring about, they were really caring about me. They cared about what I was doing. Um, did all that and like it just did not satisfy me. Yeah. Didn't, bro. I was freaking, at one point I was like more miserable than ever. So I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of stuff right off the bat, but that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, just like kind of kind of thinking about Here's that. another one. <laughs> well, I guess we could go on for a really long time. Um I thought porn wouldn't affect the other parts of my life. I was wrong. Yeah. Same. Freaking porn jacked my life up, dude. Freaking yeah. guys out there right now, this is just an encouragement to you, man. Like don't don't buy the lie, man. I, I did the last podcast I did was with Charlie Crockett. And he talked a lot about the effects of pornography in like human trafficking, but bro, I could share for years about how porn and being addicted to porn just like screwed up my my life in every other area, just like my identity and like my security and who I was. Like I couldn't look people in the eyes. Like I was always feeling like I had to hide. I always felt the shame. I couldn't hear correction or criticism because I was too fragile because I was too insecure. And it was like all these things, bro. Yeah. Couldn't receive love. There's just a million things. So I was wrong. Porn wouldn't. I thought that porn wouldn't affect the other parts of my life. I was wrong. <laughs> All right. Why don't you go? Um, <laughs> just recently. Um, <laughs> uh, just recently um, came to this conclusion or just after being in community with people for a really long time. Um, the way I was living my life, I was wrong about God. I was wrong about God. Um, again, like I said, I, I grew up Catholic, and so um, don't want to like bash it or anything like that. But the way I grew up in a very small rural community, um, it was very legalistic, kind of um, like really traditional. Uh, priest I had growing up was kind of mean. Um, never someone that I was like, okay, this guy's like in a, in a in a position of authority, especially like a spiritual leader. I was like, and if he's like really rude like this and, and everything, is like, is God mm-hmm. like that too? Um, and just, again, those like false beliefs are, uh, and a lot of times we talk about um, how you view your earthly father is how you, you view God. And uh, I mean, my dad was, was, was awesome. Uh, he helped, uh, you know, coach me in sports. We would, he would just do a lot of things with me. Uh, but like on the emotional side of it, uh, he wasn't there. And that's where I think, you know, God really, really shows himself uh, to me right now. And so I just thought God was a, a distant, like he wasn't really concerned with uh, the struggles I was going through. Like if I was going through them, it was like, dude, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, like, come on, you're a man. Uh, get up. Uh, there was that. There was like, hey, you messed up. I'm not really going to correct you. I'm just going to like, basically like so like my dad i feel like uh whenever i would mess up with stuff um really wouldn't get like a correction and like walk me through hey this is what you did wrong and i'm gonna walk you through this process and we're gonna correct it and then we're gonna move on it was more of just like here stop push out the way i'm gonna finish i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. um and all that to say i'm like i'm never like bashing my dad he, he did the best he could 
uh, with what he knew and how he grew up and everything. But again, that's why I was like, when I mess up, and God's just like mad at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like being in the church for a while, you're like, you know, God forgives, God's kind, and all this. But you like really dig down deep into your heart and like what you truly believe. Mm-hmm. It's like, was I believing that on a surface level? Yeah, it made sense. Uh, but like deep down, it was not. It was not making sense. And so, um, yeah, I was I was wrong about the uh, God's character, really. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to know what you believe, just look at your life. Yeah. Look how you live your life. That is actually what tells you what you believe, not what you say. Yeah. What your life suggests, right? Yeah. So for me, right, or anyone listening, like, I couldn't look at, look people in the eyes. What did that suggest? It meant that I was afraid to be seen, truly. Yeah. Because if I, like, met eyes with someone too long, I'm like, crap, they, they can see something. Oh, they might see. And this is, like, psychological. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm sure someone out there who is a psychologist would understand. But some part of me was like, I don't want to look you in the eyes because I'm too afraid that I might be seen. And if I'm really seen, they'll see that there's this guy who, who like, he says he loves God, but he's addicted to porn. Who says he loves God, but, like, he wants to do the other things. And then I really, like, like I was so insecure and I, I didn't understand that God was like, hey, it's okay that you have all these things like bring them to the light let's talk about them yeah. let's get them out right because yeah. i grew up where like you 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 just didn't talk about all the things that were bad yeah anything that was anything that you were ashamed of you didn't talk about it which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do it's like shame the only way shame can like you can overcome shame is by talking about it and getting it out confessing it yeah. and letting god come in and say I love you mm-hmm. because God already sees it. He already saw all those things. And it was when I finally had the courage to come out and just like let all that stuff out there. That's when, that's when I actually got the healing that I was looking for. So like you said, you know, you would have like, I remember we, you and I, when we were in the office one day, we sat down and I was like, um, what, what are some of God's, uh, characteristics? Yeah. And you started writing all these things like kind loves me, like doesn't, doesn't shout at me, doesn't get mad at me for not understanding, is patient with me, he's gentle with me, he wants to give me good things. And then I asked you, well, like, what was your dad like? And you mm-hmm. wrote down all of, like a lot of these things that was like, whenever I messed up, he would just get pissed or like even if I was trying, but I didn't, he'd get mad at me if I wasn't doing it right, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, well, which one of these do you actually, which qualities do you actually believe more about God? Yeah. And what was your revelation in that moment? Yeah. I mean, just like, (laughs) well, for one, I was like, because I didn't like, whenever people talk about father wounds, I'm like, yeah, like my dad didn't beat me. You know, Mm -hmm. he was never verbally abusive. Like he's a great dad. Um, But we're all not perfect. And so I had to like really think like, okay, like, yeah, my dad provided for me. He never beat me. Um, He loved me so much. Um, but there were just spots where he lacked like we all do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just really like, man, I do have father wounds as does everybody. Um, and they matter in how I'm viewing God and just that revelation of like, Hey, (laughs) there's grace for you. Whenever you mess up, I just picture God, um, just picking me up and be like, Hey, like, this is how you do it. So I'm like, yeah, this is, you messed up. I'm going to give this like spirit of conviction into you. 
Um, and then we're going to correct it by like, I'll show you these things. Um, I'll speak to you. I'll speak to you through people. Um, I'll speak to you through music and, and all this stuff. And so like that he really cares and he wants to correct me. Um, and obviously wants the best for me. And so to, to, to keep get me, to keep getting me on the path to be more like Jesus really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, yeah, that was just huge to be like, you know, God's not mad when I, <laughs> I had like this thought of, Oh, God only speaks to me again, kind of goes back to my, my beliefs when I was younger. God only speaks to me when I'm at church, like on my knees in the building. Um, he only speaks to me when I've basically accumulated enough <laughs> like spiritual money, like reading, writing, praying, mm-hmm. being in scripture. It's like, yeah. okay, I've, uh, we used to like this priest that we had, he was like, oh, I said like 14 Hail Marys for you and this rosary. I'm like, man, that's a lot of holy power. Yeah. I'm going to win this game. Yeah. <laughs> right. So much. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, oh, the more prayers I do, the more all of these X, Y, and Z that I do, God's more likely yeah. to come through and do these things for me. But then, but then it's the opposite. If I don't do any of this, then God's like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. And you still, like you still are struggling with that today. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we talk about that all the time. I mean, let, I'll talk to you guys about something like that. I'm currently wrong about like all, all these things I was wrong, but I still am having to, correct these beliefs like for for drew right now this idea that god wants to give him good things is so hard for him to accept like if he's like quote unquote like bad like if he's not doing the right things god doesn't want to like give him good things yeah and that's not true because the bible says that um uh if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to those who love him? Yeah. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah. If you being evil know how to give, this is from uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 11. So it's like God, this is who God is. God's a good father, a perfect father who wants to give you good gifts. But Drew's over here like really struggling with, He's he has been struggling with this concept for a long time. And we're like working through that. And so he still had to, like, he'll, I remember him coming to me and being like, uh, like, I was like, did you spend time with God? And he was like, no. And I like, kind of get to the root of it. And it was because he had messed up with something, like some sin that he thought he had. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, oh man, I don't want to go to God and he doesn't want to give me good things. And I was like, that's just wrong. And so for me, same thing. One of the things that I'm currently struggling so hard with that I'm wrong about, I know I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> Is that I can't be weak. Yeah. Is that I have to like put everybody on my back and carry them. Like anybody in my life, like I'm responsible to get them to, to like the next place in their life. And that, and therefore I can't like tell, like basically invite them in to help me. Yeah. Because I'm like, if, if, if I'm, if I'm weak, then I'm nothing. And I think a lot of that comes from like my growing up in my family. Like you just weren't allowed to be weak. And I watched my, my mom have that. And a lot of that is because my dad left. My yeah. dad leaves. My mom's got four kids, working three jobs. She didn't have time to quote unquote be weak. Yeah. And so in my mind, like the ideal thing to strive for in life is someone who's just like never weak. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. And the Bible says that my, uh, Jesus says my grace is sufficient for thee and my power is perfected in weakness. In weakness yeah. So like if I want to be perfective, 
per perfected. I actually have to be weak. And not only that, but like running a business being like, if I really want to do this well, like I need the help of my team. Yeah. But if I don't ever invite them in on my weakness and say, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. Help me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm never going to get the help that I need. And not only that, this is something I realized people are helping me all the time, but because I refuse to quote unquote be weak, I don't even see how they're helping me. And then therefore I don't value them. And then they don't feel valued because like, even though they are bringing me value, I don't see it because I refuse to see it because I refuse to be weak. Yeah. yeah. I was wrong. I'm wrong. Well, I think too, I'm trying to formulate this thought kind of, because I, I struggle not with like, I can't be weak, but I just have to, I, if I want something to get done, it was hard for me to delegate it off to other people to get it done. And one of the things was I would get so mad about people not helping me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did I even ask? Yeah. I was like, no, I didn't ask. And I didn't let anybody in yeah. on what I'm struggling with or what I need help on. I was just like expecting people to just kind of come along and mm -hmm. start helping me because I, I think that I, um, whenever I see someone struggling or, or like needs help, I can just like, I see that and I'll go do it. And sometimes maybe I expect the other to people for people to reciprocate that to me. Um, like, Hey, he's working really hard. I'm gonna go help him out or something like that. But then, uh, you get, you just get in a pattern where they're like, Oh, he'll just take care of it. He's just going to do it himself. And so you just take on so many burdens without asking for help and, and sharing that weakness and that concern with others that, uh, you just get burnt out, which I think is kind of yeah. <laughs> where you're at. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting. I don't know why this made me think of this too. Um, we have a group of Drew and I have a group of guys that we hang out with each Sunday from China spring three high school guys. Um, love these dudes. Yeah. Um, but one of the, this is the first time in my life that I've like kind of quote unquote led a small group of younger guys where I really led by just like sharing a lot of my crap to them. Like I'll go in there and be like, yo, this is what I'm struggling with this week. Mm -hmm. Like these are actually the things I'm struggling with. And like, and then I literally go to them and be like, what do y'all got for me? Yeah. And the other day I asked, like we did this encouragement time and one of the most encouraging things, like the most, one of the most encouraging things that I've heard in a long time was from a 17 year old dude who was like, um, basically was just recognize that we know that you're farther along in life, but we, it means so much to us that you like share your burden with us and like, kind of like yeah. value our opinion. Right. Yeah. And I think so much about kids and I think about me being a kid, you know what? Like it would have been like, I think it would have been so helpful to hear from my mom the struggles and like the things that she had and how difficult it was to like be a good follower of God and, and, and my uncles and my family, like it would have been so much, it would have been so helpful to hear and see the gospel displayed and demonstrated. Yeah. Not just spoken. Yeah. Cause I heard all the time. God loves you. You're a sinner. God loves you. Yeah. Like there is not any shame that is bigger than the cross of Christ. I would hear that all the time, but I would never see when it actually came down to it. Hey, God loves your aunt so much. Like she didn't get married, had a kid outside of wedlock. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's see how 
God loves her in that and how we grow from that. Yeah. Everything was just pushed aside. Yeah. And so that was kind of the way I grew up thinking. Yeah. Just say the gospel, but don't actually demonstrate it. Yeah. And I'm finally starting to realize there's so much power in just saying, I was wrong. I'm currently messing up. This is how I'm messing up. I love God. I'm running towards God, but I'm screwing up. And here's how the ways I'm screwing up, and here's the ways I'm trying to grow. Yeah, and uh, kind of like you were just talking about, of you know, you know, we know a lot of these, we know the gospel, and, and we can we can say it, we can, but it's it's the one thing to live it, and that's kind of like where I've kind of been the last couple of of weeks, um, as I'm spending more time with God, as I'm reading more in His Word, you know, a lot of these things, I'm like, yes, that makes sense, that makes sense, okay. But like, how do I apply this to my life? And like, what do these ideas look like? Like, 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 uh, what does my powers make perfect in your weakness? Yeah, that that's good. Like, I like God is strong for me when I'm weak. But what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then how can you tangibly like represent that to other people? Yeah. Um, because I've uh, I don't know if it I call it like kind of like soundbite Christianity where I was like, yeah, that sounds good. That kind of like uplifts you. But if you're not applying it and it doesn't like for me, I just need like a really practical, mm-hmm. like a, like a practical um, application application for these ideas because a lot of them, um, they make so much sense, but it's like, you know, what is that? What does that look like? Like spending time with God, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What is, what does it look like to give over your burden to God? Like your mm-hmm. burdens, like something you hold inside. How do you tangibly like pick that up and give it right to somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely you're correct. And I believe that God uses people to do that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you and I both know CrossFit. We know about working out. When you read a verse that says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. We see that testing, difficulty, produces perseverance and then in Romans it also says we rejoice all the more in our suffering knowing that the suffering is going to produce character mm. and character hope right mm-hmm. so it's the tangible that that verse is like a ooh that's a kind of a cool thing yeah but when you actually have something tangible to tie it to like working out and you know if i push through these workouts it's going to build my strength mm-hmm. it's going to build my endurance so yeah. that the next time I come in here, I can endure a little longer. Yeah. Endure exactly. a little longer. So God gives us this physical world to experience these spiritual realities. Yeah. Same with this. So for me, this is what I'm working on, right? My power is perfected in your weakness. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle so much to be weak. I don't want to be seen as weak. So how do I tangibly get that with God? It's a lot harder to just, you can't just tangibly get it with God yeah. because you don't see, feel, you don't have like a physical like you can't touch this, God this weakness in this bag. Right. I'm gonna throw this away. You can say it out loud and you can visualize it. Yeah. But on a tangible sense, it looks like me going to my wife, Taylor. It looks like going to my team and you and saying, Guys, I'm struggling right now. Yeah. I'm having a hard time believing that God is going to provide for ten thirty one. I feel like I feel like all this is on my back. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not doing a good job stewarding this. Help. Yeah. And then I allow you guys to speak into me and encourage me. Yeah. And 
my power, if you will, his power in me is like getting sharpened and making, it's like being made better in the weakness. By professing your weakness, by voicing it, Mm -hmm. you're sharing and the other people are sharing that burden and they're like just taking it on on their shoulder. And that's like, like for me, how I've tangibly like give your shame over to to God, give Mm -hmm. your, give your uh, doubts, give your, give your fears over. I'm like, okay, like, what does that look like? And for me, um, I think recently what's really helped in kind of a revelation I've come to just for myself personally um, is voicing them mm-hmm. just in silence and even writing them down like this is what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm scared of. This is how long I've had this fear. Um, and just like uh, basically like writing a letter to God like this is all like that I have. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, which I hope this is helpful for other people too, is then I write on the second part, like God speaking to me. What is he saying about mm-hmm. all of this stuff? Like, you know, if I'm afraid, he's like, son, like, don't be, don't be afraid. Like I am right there with you. Um, Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so that, and then I physically, then I, then I just meditate and kind of picture me in a difficult situation. And then I just picture God or Jesus there with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get me through that trial. And yeah. so, writing it out on paper, writing like what God has to say about that fear, that specific fear, um, or doubt or whatever it is. And then just like meditating on that truth of like, he's there with me, um, and all that. And so that's, that's for me how I could tangibly like move shame mm-hmm. or give over fear to God. Yeah. Because again, when people say, just give your fear to God, it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Like God will help me with my fear, but how do I do that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's so good about having people in your life. But here's the thing. It's so tough. If you don't have anybody that really knows you. Yeah, that's the tough part. It's so hard. And here's the difficult thing. Even more difficult. You may say, oh, I do have people. But do they really know you if you haven't told them all these things inside you that freaking haunt you that you hate? Yeah. As long as as long as there's a bunch of crap in your life that you're just like terrified to share with anyone and you haven't shared with anyone, you're never going to feel known. Yeah. Because you're just going to have that crap in there and then and then it's sad because you don't get to tangibly feel any bit of what God wants to make like what how God feels about you in in its fullest perfect sense mm-hmm. for example for 26 years i kept in me a lot of my addiction to porn and the specific type of porn mm-hmm. um struggled a lot with still struggle to this day like the thoughts i'll go to is like a twisted version of a mother's love for a son in the form of sexual interaction mm. And I know there's a lot of people out there probably feel the same way because it's a ultimately a longing for something good that the enemy has twisted into something wicked. Yeah. Like I long for just like the sweetness and the kindness of a, of my mother. Cause I didn't get that because my mom was again, trying to just survive and couldn't be weak. And so one of the things I'm doing actually in the next month is going and having a conversation with my mom about just that specific thing about feeling like mom I didn't feel like you were really kind to me as a kid and everything was so hard and mm-hmm. 
um, trying to get that healing because I, I struggle with those thoughts at times. Um, that was a huge area of my life that I never wanted to share with anybody, right? But there finally came a point when I was 26 and I was like, frick this, dude. I'm not living like this the rest of my life. And I wrote out on a piece of paper everything, everything that uh, that haunted me. And I read it to uh, my ex at the time. That didn't go well. Um, but long story short, I have gotten to the place now where like 75 people, because I shared that letter at a conference with men, yeah, have heard that letter. So when I talk to someone, I look across them, look in the eyes, and then they say things about me like, bro, I I know that you're a man of God. I know that you can, um, that you are on mission, that you are, I see all the things in you. Like when they tell me, there's so much more power because I know the person saying it has seen all my crap and yet they're still saying this about me. Yeah. That is just a microscopic piece of how God feels about you and when God speaks to you he sees way more than anyone will ever see you he sees every single part of you and yet he's still telling you I love you there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from my love like I have strengthened you with all power like you are you are made complete you're enough you're fearfully and wonderfully made you are these things when he says that to me it means so much more now that I have tangibly felt a little bit of that yeah. by being fully known by a human yeah. being. One of the, you saying that reminded me of really the first time we hung out uh, whenever I asked you, how are you, you? <laughs> and uh, one of the things I remember you saying just from you talking about that was live your life. And maybe at the time you weren't fully like living it, but you knew the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, live your life. Like if people were to come up to you and be like, Hey, I heard this about you. You'd say, yeah, that's true. And you're like, not ashamed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very foreign concept to me because I was, man, at, at that point in my life, I was just struggling with so much. Um, and it's all just like, again, just thinking about it now of how, much has been deconstructed and it's like rebuilt like God's just rebuilt me. Um, but yeah, that's like, there were so many lies that I, I, that if people were to come up and be like, like, I heard this about you. Like I heard you struggled with anxiety and depression. I'd be like, Frank, I'm weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was like, nah, I mean, it's a little bit, not much. <laughs> <laughs> I was only out of commission for three years. Yeah. I mean, I only had to withdraw from my last <laughs> semester of college and stuff, but I, I made all the other semesters, you know, that was good. Um, <laughs> Or just so many other things. Um, like, hey, I heard you talk to this girl and uh, you dated for a little bit and then like all of a sudden you're not dating anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, I thought I thought that I really liked her and I it turns out I didn't and I had to own that and then tell her I was sorry for... Yeah, breaking her heart. Yeah, breaking her um, heart. But, so I was wrong about that. Um, but yeah, just, just, just you saying that, just like living your life where... If people were to come up to you and be like, "Hey, I heard this about you," yeah, and you have like the power, and it was such a foreign concept to me whenever you said it. But the the amount of freedom that you could have, yeah, like, just by saying, "Yeah, that's true," and yeah. then like if you don't, kind of like we talked about earlier, if you don't like that, or if you think that's weird, then yeah, more power to you. But I know that you're like me, and you have a lot of shame that you have to deal with yourself. Yeah. But I'm I'm dealing with it. And I'm uh, uh, embracing it. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. 
I mean, Je- people didn't like Jesus when he was here. It's so bad that they killed him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like no matter how likable you are, how if you yeah. heal the blind, you still will be. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, you're you're not going to be able to win everybody's approval because everybody is broken just like you yeah and that, i mean i would i would i would even say to like a, like for example myself now or anybody who is like who who's gets upset that people don't like them my question to you is do you like everybody and think highly of everybody mm-hmm. if not then why are you expecting that of everybody else yeah yeah let people have their opinions like just let them yeah. they're in, in the same way that you don't want somebody coming up to you and trying to control who you vote for. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to control who people want to determine who they like and who they don't like? Yeah. And I think even, even when you just said, you know, um, what did you just say? So basically like, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to think. What was on topic of? Um, I had a thought and I was gone. Um, Dang, people are going to think you're such an idiot on this I show. I know. I was wrong to open my mouth <laughs> at this point in time. <laughs> Gosh. No, you were saying uh, how uh, people... Basically, what I was going to get to is embracing and, and so refreshing, like coming from that background of being in the uh, the Catholic Church and like from the outside looking in, you're like, oh man, churchgoers are just like way better people than me. Yeah, that's uh, not even just the Catholic Church. That's yeah, every, that's, every that's everyone. Church. But it was like so comforting to me to realize like how broken everybody was. Everybody's broken. Everybody's man. broken, and I took like so much comfort, and I was like, heck yeah, that guy's struggling with that too. Let's. <laughs> 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 yeah. Lisa, well, that's why it's so freeing, dude. I'm yeah. telling you, well, the that, more that you share and your brokenness with other people, the more change you're gonna break for others. Well, that's what I was like, kind of getting. That's what I was kind of uh, thinking about was, you know, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Well, voicing all of those things, like how weak and broken you are, and then exp- saying how free you feel. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so. <laughs> I feel the power of, of Christ inside of me whenever I'm telling people about all of these things that I'm broken, that I'm, that I'm weak, that I'm really bad at, that I struggle with Yeah. and how much more, um, freedom and more strength you feel. Yeah. So that's, you know, how that scripture can kind of tangibly be seen too. I just thought about that right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's a great quote. I don't know who exactly said it, but I'm not going to steal this. There's somebody quotes once basically if someone comes up to you and says, oh, so-and-so thinks really poorly of you because blah, 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 and they say something about you. He says something along the lines of, well, actually, if he knew this, this, and this as well, he would think worse about me. <laughs> you know, And so that's kind of how I want to I want to be is if someone's like, yeah, somebody doesn't... Here's a common one because I heard it a hundred times in my life, which there's, it's it's valid. Uh, Silas, uh, he just thinks he's so cool and he needs so much attention from other people. In the past, I'd be like, screw you, loser, whatever, you know? <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I'm from. Uh, now it's kind of just like, oh, but did you tell them that I also struggle with yeah. this? 
and I'll say something explicitly like embarrassing. Oh, how about this? When I was a kid, I stole women's underwear from the store. Did you tell them that? Go tell them that. Because I had some weird thing with women's underwear as a little kid, my curiosity. You know, those are the type of things, right? Yeah. That just owned me. Yeah. And and so now in my life, I'm constantly like looking into myself and being like, what is what is there in my life that is trying to rob me of that freedom to just live openly? Yeah. And, and then confess that. Just keep getting it out. Like, it's not going to own me. Yeah. And every little thought like that, like you just said of uh, stealing girls' underwear or whatever, <laughs> like that might just be a little thing, but every little piece that you like confess and bring to the light, yes, you're one step closer. Yes. And that's kind of what we'll be talking about all week of like the process, like every day. I'm one step closer. Yes. I'm one step closer. So every thought that uh, or action that maybe that you're ashamed of or I mean, a lot of this stuff is uh, probably just stuck in your memory. And then you're just like, bro, how did I think of that? Like, it's just randomly stored in there. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you think about it, having community of people where you can share those yeah. embarrassing things or funny things like that one, like <laughs> I was going to tell, um, I remember when I was little, um, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Uh, with the Victoria's Secret and the cutting. <laughs> yeah, share that one. Basically, uh, I don't remember who. I, I uh, stole a Victoria's Secret magazine from my uh, grandma's house or something. First of all, Grandma, why do you have Victoria's Secret? You don't need that. Um, but I like. I, I was like young. I was like seven or eight. And I was like, you know, the women were like covering themselves and doing some stuff. And I was like, I want to see behind like what they're hiding. And so I got like scissors to like cut around the picture thinking that I'm cutting around <laughs> their arms and it's like revealing stuff around them. And I'm like, it's so stupid and it's, oh but it's so funny. Um, but like just saying that, uh, cause you know, that was like something I was like, oh, that's weird, man. That's weird. Um, everybody's going to think I'm a, I'm a freak if i share this <laughs> yeah but i think it's funny and you yeah. know but you having strength to be vulnerable too um had like 100 percent brought that out of me like i wouldn't have shared that with yeah. anybody or on camera like, <laughs> for people to hear um but it's true yeah it's true i was seven what do you want me to do like i don't yeah i can't do anything yeah, i don't Barely freaking know crap i had like those like curly fried ties on my shoes i couldn't even tie my couldn't shoes even, like <laughs> couldn't even talk yet yeah exactly <laughs> five years old couldn't even talk yet. <laughs> but uh yeah dude okay so actually the last like 25 minutes of this conversation has been here's something we're freaking wrong about yeah not just wrong freaking wrong freaking wrong about this freedom was going to come by concealing all the things we were ashamed about yeah i was freaking wrong. Yeah. Freedom comes when you expose all the things you're ashamed about. Mm-hmm. When you can live your life walking around never worried if someone comes up to you and says, guess what I found about out about you? Yeah. You know? Like, dude, if you can live... Dude, that's when I, like, freaking... I feel like I went super sane yeah. on, on the world was when I got to that point. Yeah. Because, dude, then you can live your life. You get to live your life and not be afraid. Yeah. And so you and, just, yeah. yeah and I could speak on that as far as living in, in fear of, and 
I always would call it like either imposter syndrome or uh, just fear of being found out. Yeah. Like, like I'm like people would say all these good things about me. And I'm like, then you, yeah, I wish that were true. That's see, that's another thing. Yeah. That's a freaking another thing. When you have all this hidden crap in you, then you have, you, you can only like partially receive yeah. true affirmation and encouragement. Yeah. So when people encourage you and they're like, bro, like you're a man of God. And you're like, ah, I'm hey, not. If, if you only knew this or yeah. you're yeah. such a great guy. Ah, yeah. Thank you. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, but if you knew about this, then you wouldn't be saying that. Yeah. And then then that encouragement doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. It, it just it falls off your back because you don't believe it. And then you're also doing a disservice to that person that's trying to encourage you. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to lift you up and they want to say these things about you. And you're just, nah, I don't believe that. I don't mm-hmm. believe the word that you have to say about me. Um, but yeah, I, I struggle with that for sure. Especially during that time of like being super depressed and, and anxious, people would be like, how are you so calm? How are you so, um, it doesn't look like you're struggling with anything and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like that was honestly like self-defeating when I kept hearing that. I'm like, man, something must be really wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm, if I like, like I can't imagine feeling any lower and people are still like, man, you're doing good. You're working at this job. You're, you're doing this. You're, you're helping and providing for your family. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, just, uh, that inner turmoil, um, and being that that fear of being found out of like not sharing like yeah hey right right now I'm struggling with something yeah um, and yeah that 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 fear of being found out or imposter syndrome is is big time especially among successful people successful people mm-hmm. I believe probably struggle with that more than just the average person mm-hmm. um, you kind of can look back on your um, awards or just like accomplishments that you've uh, accomplished throughout your life and be like man. I, there's no way like I'm a fraud, <laughs> even yeah. though I accomplished all of these things. Yeah. Um, and the evidence says otherwise, but it's that inner shame, that uh, guilt or, um, you know, that freedom that needs to come out of you by confessing like, hey, I don't like before these games, like I might play really well, but I'm like throwing up. I'm so mm-hmm. nervous or yeah. Um, yeah, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I have been really – hesitant and fearful to talk about um partially because i i'm just i don't know this realm like nobody ever talks about this and i haven't really heard anybody and that's my divorce mm. i was wrong about that one of the biggest things i was wrong about in my life was that i was a great guy and a woman shouldn't reject me mm. and i experienced rejection at such a deep level and i was wrong yeah. I'm a guy in human form who is in by human standards someone who should be rejected and that's what happened. And I'm I want to open up about that on another podcast. But nobody ever talked about that. My parents got divorced. Yours are divorced. Yeah. Like 75% of people are divorced, but I got divorced at 26 years old. Like I was only married for a year and a half. Yeah. When when we separated and I was just probably didn't think you would recover from that. You're like, there's no, no because I was thinking to myself, what the frick? Yeah, this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah, this doesn't happen to people, even though it happened exactly to my parents and five thousand so other people parents, I know. Yeah. And so it just owned me, and to this day I 
can wrestle with at times. Did I, am I unworthy of sharing the truth or something because that's my story? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, but the only way I'm going to really be able to walk in that is if I am sharing yeah, um, and openly confessing that. And so that's something I want to talk about in the podcast in the future. Um, let's wrap it up now. We'll have yeah. another, I was wrong <laughs> part two, two three, coming four, soon. Five. And then after that episodes three through 7,000, <laughs> we got a long list of episodes. We have a long on. list of episodes on the, I was wrong podcast. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I mean, like like we like we were just talking about. I mean, we we're wrong about a lot of things, and and that's okay. Uh, but being able to just find someone in the community, and if you don't have that, I mean, seek out community, uh, and really just what helped me the most was you just have to have like a level of introspection. And if you don't, I mean, pray for it, ask God mm-hmm. to like show you the things that you're wrong about, or like the things that you don't maybe like about yourself. Um, like me, maybe like being too timid, being, um, afraid to just like take a leap of faith at times, uh, and so many things, but just like, like voicing that out and telling someone, sharing that burden with them. Um, and then, you know, just being able to be encouraged and, and to change and be more like Jesus every day. Um, and so, yeah, just, it's okay to be wrong. Amen. And regularly say you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Don't ever stop. Yeah. You can't stop. And that's ultimately it's humility. Yeah. Which I constantly want to ask God for. But all right. Close us in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be wrong mm-hmm. um, so that we can turn to you and, and know that you're right, that you're the truth, God. And so uh, we just thank you for protecting us during those times and, and delivering us from those times when we were when we were wrong. Uh, when we did mess up, God, you were still faithful to us uh, during those times. And so we just give you thanks and we give you praise uh, for that, for, for being there with us when, when, when we turned our backs on you, God. And so I just pray for, um, for you to just keep moving inside of uh, me, Silas, every listener, God, um, that you continue to reveal uh, places where we were wrong, places where we um, might have messed up, where we might have uh, wronged somebody, God. And so, yeah, I just pray that that spirit of discernment just be upon us. Um, I pray for your protection. Um, pray for your, your your grace and your mercies that are renewed every day, God. Um, and just pray for everyone here at 1031 uh, that you continue to uh, provide for us, Lord. We love you. You're a good father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Speaking of 1031... <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, 1031 Creative, for sponsoring this podcast. Available for all of your video production needs, as long as it fits the prices of the company. We will not be underpriced. The enemy doesn't sleep. 